Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope you are having an amazing, amazing day today. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd. Today is National Taffy Day, National Lucky Penny Day, because everyone needs a lucky penny. I guess I guess we're going to call Sean. I guess we're going to call your name Penny today. And it's also <laughs> International Day to End Obturistic Foot. Fustula Day. This is a female thing. I'm not exactly sure what this is, but maybe the ladies can lead a little bit more insight onto this. And But thank you all for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please make sure you check us out Monday through Friday over here. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And you can find everywhere we live at on the Internet right here on this fancy little QR code. Boom, right there. Uh, yes. So, without further ado, we're going to kick it off today's show. Is is he has he made it? Oh yeah, there he is. That's right. It's the dope dad himself. He is in the building. That's right. The Quasimodo caretaker, the baby Yoda specialist. It is Rico Lamite, the dope dad on the streets. What do you have? To do? Right and on. the crowd goes wild. The Quasimodo caretaker, man. I like that, dude. You've been working on your shit. I like that, Jason. So um, I have a international headline today coming out um, coming out of Spain. So police in the country say that they'll be donating a uh, to a food bank for distribution in, to Ukrainian soldiers. Uh, Six thousand kilograms of premium Colombian coffee that was previously used to conceal the scent of cannabis seized in a recent cross border smuggling raid. The Spanish National Police announced Banco de uh, Alimentos del Segura. A food bank in Mercia uh, City will be leading distribution efforts for the high-end foodstuff seized and allegedly separated from 137 kilograms of illegal tr illegally transported cannabis. President of Banco del Alimentos del Segura, Jose Garcia Galvis Marin, uh, made the announcement that local needy families will be getting first dibs while the remaining portion will be sent to Ukraine, where he says, for the soldiers who are fighting against Russian invaders, it could be a very valuable product. This coffee is great for us. It's a premium product. We normally deliver basic foodstuffs, but coffee, because of its price, does not usually fall into that category. The seized ca uh, coffee is tied to an international bus that left six people in custody where Spanish police worked in co collaboration with the British police, Yet the investigation remains open. <clears throat> Wouldn't said coffee be still considered evidence? Senior Police Chief Ignacio Del Omo says that the weed was vacuum packed and would have fetched a market price around 2 million euros or 2.1 million US dollars at current exchange rates. And he seemed pretty stoked about the come up. Uh, in order not to lose the coffee, which is of excellent quality, we thought that the best option was to use the food bank so that it could reach the people who need it most. While this might seem like a feel-good story on the surface, you know, local cops protecting their citizens from dirty smugglers and uh, actually feeding the poor with it. Um, I think there's a bit more to unpack here uh, than a few kilos of primo Colombiano coffee beans. Six months ago, I reported on a story about the same, um, about the same Spanish police uh, for seizing what they called the biggest international bust ever, 32 tons of pre-packed cannabis with a street value of at least 64 million euros. Uh, they raided a series of farms and production plants across the nation in an operation called Gardens, 
uh, arresting nine men and 11 wo- women between the ages of 20 and 59. The alleged smugglers said that the cannabis was en route to Ukraine and was meant as aid for the soldiers. Very interesting. Something smells funny here, and Colombian coffee ain't going to do the trick. Sounds a lot like the stories told by DEA agents turned international drug smugglers after giving up fighting a global war on drugs they say was impossible for anyone but capitalism to win. Y'all may or may not remember the name Jose Irasati, um, the so-called most corrupt agent in U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration history who said that he became another man while conspiring with Colombian cartels to build a lavish lifestyle of expensive sports cars. Tiffany Jewels and Paramours around the world. He says that after photo op driven missions to please American and mainstream global medias, he and his cartel cronies would get in good with the needy locals and by handing out fruit and vegetables seized from these drug busts for free just to turn around and sell the drugs that came packaged in them to the same people, turning locals into addicts and expanding the cartel's reach. Now, I'm not saying that the Spanish National Police are out here robbing drug dealers just to take over their routes and clientele, but I'm also not going to say that they are not. But I want to hear from you guys. What do you think about this one? I'm Rico Lemit, the dopest dad on the street. I'm just trying to follow the money. I think it makes for a very interesting cup of coffee in the morning. Well, if you want to follow the money, you know, you know all money lead, ends up in Ukraine because we just keep on giving them, giving them, giving them money. I think it is awesome that we're giving caffeine uppers to, <laughs> to to soldiers in Ukraine, and I think it's awesome that it came from cannabis. How we, do we How do we know the Russians just aren't aren't going to intercept this package and just seize it? You know what? They all need it. They so all need coffee. They all, they all need. I they learned how to pick hey, me up. I did not drink coffee until I was in the military, and those MRE packs you get coffee. And you would down them because you'd be on guard duty. If you fell asleep, it was big trouble. So I think it's awesome. We have a Ukraine chapter that's launched, by the way. So lots of news coming from there. Uh, we got a lot of Ukrainian soldiers out there wanting uh, cannabis. And, and I think over time it will get there. I hear weed is very, very prevalent out there from some of the insiders I've spoken to. Yeah, we, we talked to some insiders, me and Jason. Um, so, Sean, like on this one, um, the, the story that I was alluding to, um, like 64 tons uh, from people in uh, from alleged smugglers from Morocco, uh, from Spain, uh, from uh, the UK and a couple of other countries. Uh, they said that they were trying to get the soldiers cannabis. And they said that they had been uh, using the route uh, multiple times to ship all of this stuff out there to the soldiers and to the people um, through uh, Spain. So I think it's very, very, very peculiar um, that. The same police force that hemmed them up is now interfering again. And they're uh, said that they're going to feed the people first uh, that are local, and then they're going to get the leftovers uh, to Ukraine. So um, I think there's like, a lot more to this story. And it could be uh, uh, make for a good movie later on. Having oh, uh, been on the front lines and stuff like that and seeing what got into the news, it rarely was accurate. that's what i'm saying like there's a lot more to this Mm -hmm. yeah they're 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 putting something more back into these coffee beans bro before those things are getting shipped to ukraine i'm gonna tell you that i have a question about that so uh, did they say that it's just coffee that they're shipping because aren't the people in ukraine that are in the middle of the war aren't they like hungry don't they have like yeah that's what what they say they're just shipping off the uh the coffee and the investigation, uh, the, co- the, the coffee was seized, and they said that they took the weed out of the coffee, but the investigation is still ongoing. There so may still be weed in the coffee, then. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, like this is isn't that evidence? That would be considered evidence. Yes. <laughs> in, a, in a real investigation, yeah. Just get them some coffee. Like, yeah, some fishy what shit are they gonna there. do with all the coffee? Give it to them. Who cares? What's it gonna do? Just sit in a warehouse and go bad? Yeah. Exactly. That's the investigation. I, 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 I don't, what? What? I don't. I don't understand what major caper conspiracy you're reading into this. Uh, There's a major conspiracy. Have you read any unclassified documents in the U.S.? Eighty percent of these uh, breaking, quote unquote, breaking news stories are retracted because of some kind of corruption or some kind of collusion behind the scenes. And this is. Right this on. is my don't right care file. Don't care. Next. I got to care. It's only, only costing us hundreds of billions of dollars, but we don't give a shit. No worries. Right. Yeah. Right. I care about Ukraine. I don't care about this stupid coffee store. And, and why, do you, why do you care about Ukraine? 
Yes, because thank you. uh, your your bestie's best friend Putin is uh, not one to be messed with, and I think we need to uh, shut the man down. So I have no problem, you know, blowing the shit out of uh, here, here, Russia every now and then. I agree with Gretchen. Oh, stop it! Yeah. Stop oh, it. stop it! You and Trump can hang out together and get your golden showers from your pals in Russia. That's just ridiculous. On the debunked uh, uh, dossier there, and I, I hate to take Trunks. Trump's side on absolutely anything, oh, but uh, where is this money going to? Like we have hundreds of billions of dollars going over there, like unchecked. No, no, there's no track and trace. There's no metric on there on this money. <laughs> there's, no there's no track and trace. There's no tags. Yeah, there's, there's no, tags, no on tags on this money and how it's being spent. I want RFIDs on all my dollar bills. Oh wait, oh, they already are. <laughs> my coffee beans too. You should have had those RFID tags on all the cash in Iraq and Afghanistan. So we should have. Uh, You're 100 percent right. I, I I agree with that part yep. too. Yep. I'm not dealing in reality. I am dealing in reality. Should okay. have had had RFID tags and all that money shipped to Iran too. Now that we are yeah. Now that we are officially uh, in the information age, like we should be asking these questions. We should. Where's that money going? Yep. If, if America is broke. We, we can't pay our own bills. Uh, you know, the only reason America but, but, but knowing is only half the battle, because once we know, we have to actually do something about it, which we cannot seem to do in this country. We cannot seem to actually fight in the same direction. But so, I'm with Rico. We're about to hit the debt ceiling, and yep. which means the country's running out of money, but we yep. send in billions right. and millions of dollars to Ukraine. But, that, right. but that, that's twofold. That's twofold. The, the, debt, the current debt, though, is paid in U.S. dollars, so all these countries have have to gain U.S. dollars to pay the debt in dollars. That's changing, but they're also influ in influencing that influx of money and that cash into okay. yeah, yeah, the yeah. world through that that method. Uh, let's, let's, let's keep it rolling here. We're not, yeah. We don't want to okay. get into uh, the, the Ukraine debate here. I'm just saying we just need to follow the money and make sure our dollars are accounted for and they're not being stuffed inside exactly. coffee beans on their way over there. So um, <laughs> we're going to go to commercial. We're going to be right let's back. Oh, yeah, you know what time it is. That's right. It's Tuesday over here at Green Street, and we got Smokey Vanilla with us in the building. So that's right. It is time to stretch and smoke. We just got done smoking. Now we're going to stretch it out, and then we're going to smoke again. Let's go. I'm Smokey Vanilla with my background in kinesiology and bodywork massage and assisted stretching. You got to come check it out, baby. Check me out on IG at Smokey Vanilla One Stretch and Smoke, Twitter Smokey Vanilla, Social Club Stretch and Smoke, or also on Sports Recovery by Dan and Jam. If you want to feel as good as I look, then make sure that you get a Stretch and Smoke in with Smokey Vanilla. Yeet! Oh man, I'm so impressed. Yeet! Did a yee. Oh, oh man maybe one day we'll actually say it instead of just typing it maybe <laughs> so up next it's the industry's longest continuously operating retailer and smoker of the best weed in the world coming to the stage next the undying lover of all things donald j trump is jason back oh, yeah. good morning rico hope everyone's having a great day it's tuesday and I have some amazing news out of UCLA. It's a very short little bit of news, but I think it's very, very helpful because the headline is smoking cannabis doesn't carry the same risks as tobacco. And this was found in a UCLA study. A new study from researchers at the University of California, Los Angeles, found some good news for cannabis smokers. One of the major risks associated with tobacco smoke isn't connected with marijuana. The study, Impact of Marijuana Smoking on COPD Progression in a, in a Cohort of Middle-Aged and Older Persons, was published in the journal Chronic Obstructive Preliminary Diseases this month. The researchers comprised or compared groups of people who currently used or have never smoked marijuana as part of the longitudinal research. Many of the subjects were studied for more than four years, and neither former nor current marijuana smoking of any lifetime amount was associated with evidence of COPD progression or its development, the study said. 
Cannabis advocates, including the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, a.k.a. Normal, celebrated the findings, noting that they are, in quotes, are consistent with those of prior studies concluding that cannabis inhalation, even long term, is not positively associated with COPD, lung cancer or irreversible airway damage. In an additional quote, they should be reassuring to this. They should be reassuring to cannabis consumers and to health professionals alike, and they should help to guide future policies with respect to crafting of evidence-based public health messages and associated regulations. Normal's deputy director Paul Armentado said in a statement, and I totally agree with Mr. Paul Armentano. But I'll tell you what rationale is probably not going to end up being reality because people love to crucify the smokers um, at the hands of all the people that just want to breathe in polluted filled air from all these cars and everything else but nonetheless i want to digress i want to hear what y'all have to think i'm here to celebrate that cannabis doesn't cause copd and i want to see what y'all have to say And this is jason beck for hi at nine news what do y'all think I think it's certainly great news for all of us. That's for sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Definitely good news for me, you know, <laughs> that uh, it, it doesn't cause that. I've also read uh, a few articles that uh, say that uh, cannabis actually helps repair the damage that uh, cigarettes cause to the lungs as well. So, yes, I have. Uh, uh, I, I have read some, some some similar studies in, in regards to that, um, but I'm not sure how many of them were actually published. I don't know if I would go that far. Whenever I've spoken to medical professionals, uh, they say inhaling anything into your lungs is not a good idea. That's because they were trained to believe that. That's right. Okay, fine, Jason Beck. Uh, However, I'll go with the people who actually went to medical school for their. I I went to medical school. I just didn't Uh graduate. That's right. The the point when it comes to this, I think this also adds. it adds to the, the the argument for that cannabis is good for the cessation of smoking. I mean, if you go over to Europe, they ask people to vape. They will pay you to vape insurance companies to help get you off of tobacco um, and to get people off of smoking. So I think uh, this country needs to take a different perspective when it, they're looking at fighting uh, people's addiction to tobacco. And look at what Europe's doing. And this just proves Europe might be right. You know what's interesting about this is American Indian uh, or indigenous population in North America has known that tobacco smoke is inhaling is not a good thing forever. Um, yet our medical system's just figuring this out. Cannabis is inhaled and, and uh, actual tobacco smoke is not in, in most American Indian culture. And so it, it's interesting how they've known for eons what we're just figuring out. Um, yeah. I have to agree with Gretchen. Uh, you know, the research that I've looked at um, shows that inhaling the smoke of anything that you burn um, has toxic uh, effects on the body. Um, and, but I also know that these medical doctors they are being taught in medical schools today don't even learn about the endocannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what they say, I can't necessarily trust unless there's somebody who has studied the endocannabinoid mm-hmm. system and understands what cannabis does actually does to the body and in the body. Um, but I, I find this fascinating. Um, I, I think it's about time that some white papers come out about this type of research. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what exactly vaporizing does to the body and to the lungs. Uh, I don't think there's enough research on that. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of what what comes out of more research in this area. And then the other thing that we have to consider is when they're doing this type of research, when they're saying that smoking cannabis is less harmful than smoking tobacco, are they also considering that people that smoke cannabis mostly smoke it in things that you know, in tobacco and in, in no, other? No, I don't think that's most. Um, I, I don't. I haven't seen any research that shows that they're just smoking cannabis out of a glass and or just smoking tobacco out of a glass. Um, we know how harmful and, and full of chemicals cigarettes are. Um, but when we talk about like whole tobacco or whole cannabis, uh, what is the research actually? What is that research study based on? Jason, does it say who conducted the study? Uh, that, no, I mean more than Does it say which doctor? No, it does not mention the doctor's name. But I, 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 I wonder... Huh? I'm sure it was paid with tax dollars, but I, I'm really, I'm really, uh, I, I wonder how much is this, dollars. how much is this actually going to change um, 
uh, health codes in different municipalities where people are living with the inability to consume their medicine in their homes because of smoke-free building etiquette. And this needs to be totally reversed because this is showing the exact opposite, that, that cannabis is not a carcinogen in that way, and therefore it should not be treated as smoke in regards to the Clean Air Act. Mm. Mm. I, all right, so let me try and understand this study. Uh, you're saying it doesn't lead to COPD, but Correct. does it not lead to other issues like lung cancer? Nope. Why not? Show me where it does. Show me a study that proves that. I'm just saying that the study only spoke about that one thing. I understand. So to understand Im- immediately jump to the conclusion, which you love to do, that this means that's because uh, smoking is good for everybody. I've, I've read other studies that show that cannabis does not cause lung cancer. I've read other studies that involve that. So that's how I've came to this conclusion, Gretchen. I'm just interested. Please send me those studies to show. I would love to read them. Thank you for the enlightening, Jason. Back. I would love Anytime. the science behind it. I love. See it. I love to enlighten. Because you know what? You know what we love here in DC? We love facts. Yeah, I love facts. I love facts. What? In Washington DC? Some of you love facts, not all of you. That's right. The Democrats. Oh, fantasy. It's everybody on both sides. I'm not claiming one or the other. I'm just saying that not everybody in Washington, D.C. loves the facts. I'm grateful that Gretchen, my friend, does, though. And that's what she's basing her conversation and topic on, are the facts. Uh huh. I would, I would love facts because that's what we should be passing along to lawmakers. And I agree. Clearly, that's not true. enough of these studies are making it to them. All they see are the that's crazy studies that say cannabis makes people into schizophrenics or more suicidal those are the headlines they're reading they're well, not reading this that's our so you need to is propagandized it i is know yes we love the propaganda it is but These let's try and they, studies are not science why can we not take propaganda i'm sorry i'm gonna be a little out there and use you it for propaganda. our advantage and that's what that's what's I'm happening that's why you get conflicting that's let's why you get this. conflicting scientific reports this is let me Guys. tell you what, a lot more, they're, 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 they have a lot more money than us, they have a lot more competency than us, and they are kicking our butt, plain and simple, in D.C. Well, the money is true. Mm-hmm. The money is true. That's so you gotta, the change has to come to Washington. Uh, Washington doesn't change on its own, so you need to bring it to them. So you need to amass your hordes i know weed for warriors has a number of members out there get them to post this all over their social media today post this and say this matters to us where's the money going to come from to do studies though tag your lawmaker when you post there's all sorts of ways to get to people gretchen Gretchen, do you see do you see the comment from mark he says dr donald tashkin at ucla showed years ago that cannabis smoking is safer than tobacco go ahead okay well thank you mark for actually Mark, I appreciate that you have actual facts that you come mm-hmm. to the show with, unlike Jason Beck. I have, I have you. facts. I appreciate, don't remember the I appreciate your knowledge, Stop Mark. It. Stop Thank it. Thank you, I Mark. Know I love that our chat has more knowledge and facts. Yeah, facts, right. facts these days the are as objective as, uh, as feelings and facts you know, are anything that I say. That's objective. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's right oh man coming up next that's right it's our feisty little red-headed conservative that loves to tell pot loving libs all about themselves dress her dogs in crazy erratic costumes just like all of the wackadoodle wackadoodles <laughs> really that's as good as you got that's uh, i mean i mean that's so bad it's, it's, it's a wackadoodle Give it up for the founder of yeah. Pen Apple Strategies, Gretchen Gilly. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm going to keep this medical train rolling. Uh, my headline is coming from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, my hometown. Pennsylvania House members introduced bill to shield medical marijuana patients from DUI charges. Legislation introduced in the state house on Thursday would protect medical marijuana patients from being charged with DUI simply because drug tests show the presence of THC in their systems. The legislation would not provide any safety net for marijuana users who are not enrolled in the state's medical marijuana program, and it would not protect drivers who are found to be impaired by marijuana while driving, whether they are medical marijuana patients or not. There are more than 425,000 people with active patient certifications allowing them to use medical marijuana in Pennsylvania. The issue is festering even as some lawmakers push to expand eligibility for medical marijuana, while current law only allows those with specified qualifying conditions to use medical marijuana, 
Senator Mike Regan and Senator James Brewster announced plans earlier this year for legislation that would allow doctors to certify patients to use medical marijuana for any condition. It also comes as most of Pennsylvania's neighboring states have legalized adult recreational use of marijuana and elected officials here debate whether to do the same. The issue of how to police marijuana use by drivers has proven to be a thorny one since drug tests detect the presence of marijuana long after the individual has ceased to be impaired by the drug. Pennsylvania law allows police to charge drivers with DUI when marijuana use is detected regardless of impairment. In 2016, the PA General Assembly voted to legalize medicinal use of cannabis. Sadly, the legislature failed to provide these patients the same privileges afforded to others who have legal prescriptions for a scheduled medication, according to co-sponsor Representative Chris Rabb. Uh, medicinal cannabis patients regularly contact our offices concerned that state law makes it illegal for them to drive. Pennsylvania is only one of a is one of only a few states with zero tolerance for controlled substances. 33 states, including those with no legal access to cannabis, require proof of actual impairment. Similar legislation was introduced last session, but didn't move out of the Transportation Committee. Attempts to resolve the conflict between the DUI law and the medical marijuana law have also surfaced in the state Senate. The Senate Transportation Committee approved Senate Bill 167 last June, but the bill didn't get a vote in the full Senate before the end of the legislative session. During a Senate Transportation Committee meeting last September, representatives of the Pennsylvania State Police testified that the bill would not adversely impact their mission to keep the highways and byways of the Commonwealth free of impaired drivers. Uh, said Senator Kamara Bartola, he is the primary sponsor of Senate Bill 167. Um, I think this is a good move for Pennsylvania. I like that. I think this will set up the state for a better uh, DUI law when adult use does come into play. Um, so I think this is a good first move by them. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. How can you like the fact that uh, they could make a DUI arrest without showing any impairment? That's just yeah. Their- I mean, no, the, the DUI says that you have to have impairment for them to make a DUI arrest. What's their definition of impairment? Right. Well, that's where you get murky. But oh, they're wow. saying they're saying if currently the state law in Pennsylvania is if you test positive, you're going to jail. There is zero tolerance in Pennsylvania. You will lose your driving privileges. So and, this and is so a step in the right direction. That doesn't work for medical patients because cannabis stays in your system for 30 days. So exactly. You so that's what they're impaired. trying to rectify. Right. I under I understand. They yeah. did the, we did the same thing in Nevada two years ago, and now there's legislation trying to reverse that DUI um, reform bill that we that we did get passed in 2021. And so my concern, and this is the concern in every state. There is no test, unlike a blood alcohol test, unlike a roadside test for alcohol. There are no tests there that determine test. impairment at the time of driving. There Whether is- you you smoked a blunt an hour ago or you ate an edible an hour ago, your eyes might not be red, but you might be high as a kite. And can but there's no test that determines that you're unable to drive. No, and there is Nicole. There, there is Nicole. According to all the drug recognition experts across the country, if your tongue is green, then you have concern. That's bullshit. We all know that. My tongue has never been green. Uh, all right, Jason's just speaking out of his ass. I, he's um, just trying to be funny. Drug, but what I'm saying drug is, drug recognition experts are trained to not, to say that if if you smoke cannabis, then it turns your tongue green. That's I it. heard. I, I remember that. I remember that article. But what? But we all know. All people who smoke weed know that that's bullshit. So exactly. my, my my concern is my genuine concern because mm-hmm. now they're getting ready to we're getting ready to legalize we've already legalized consumption lounges in Nevada and and you have people that are going to be driving around even more cons- consuming more um and and my concern is how do you determine whether somebody is able in a bar they give you tips as a bartender they tell you what to look for to know that somebody's inebriated what to look for to say they no longer need to be served right. um, I I and, Nicole, I do know that in some states, such as Colorado, they do have a special unit uh, that is does have a motor skills test. Now, you may say that it's a crappy test, it's worthless, whatever, but there are states that have a motor skills test that they consider uh, to be what they would use for impairment when it comes to marijuana. How, 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 how deep is the research and the science behind those tests? <laughs> It's it's shallow, deep, shallow deep. Right? I, I live in Vegas, and the last thing we need to worry about is high drivers when we have raiders plowing into people parked at 105 miles an hour because they're lit off their butts uh, on alcohol. 
Um, Sounds like you're a Raider hater. <laughs> yeah, you might be a, that's okay. You're an honorary Bronco fan. It's all good. I'm good. No one likes the Broncos either, bro. My concern is that the same profiling will occur with drivers, um, that if you're driving while black, um, then all they have to do is say that you appear to be impaired. Um, and, and this, and the same profiling, the same concern goes on. I'm grateful. Thank you, Pennsylvania for changing the law so that it you does not, it's an overreach and saying that if you have it in your system, then it's, then you're, you're guilty. Um, because we know how the plant works in our system and it stays in there for 30 days. So yes, you're right, Gretchen. It is an improvement. Um, but I'm still concerned about the language of of impairment that they will not they will not tolerate impairment well, at the time of driving. Well, what exactly does that mean? One way that people could protect themselves, if that is a concern, uh, is that you become a medical patient. That will absolutely help. There, Pennsylvania does offer chronic pain as one of its uh, one of its uh, ailments uh, that you can qualify for. Um, I would start there. I have and a my brother. My brother, it, my brother is an attorney in Pennsylvania, and I would say the bulk of his clients, because of Pennsylvania's very strict laws, are DUIs. Um, and it's pretty much like Jason says. Shut up. Don't do what they say, and yep. you will get off. There's I a have way. a problem. See? So I think we can See? easily get around this. As well. I, have, I have a problem with this, though, Gretchen, because yes, Jason, it, only, sure it is only um, addressing people that live in the state. Now, what if I was to come over and visit your mom in Pennsylvania because we were going to have a tea party and we were going to share some cannabis together. Don't talk about my mom, Jason. And, and <laughs> sudden, get my mom out of your mouth. They, they have what? what? Pennsylvania don't, talk about, don't talk about Dr. Gailey because she what will come in and kick your little ass from Dr. here. Shinola. Okay. Dr. Anyway, and I don't know what point you're trying to make. Can't, Every state has their own damn laws when it comes to marijuana. I'm, I'm, well, so no, you're my, out of your no, mind. Go away. They have reciprocity. Not, no, my point, no, no, no. Hold next. on. Come on. Next, my next, point next. is my Pennsylvania point does not have reciprocity. They are not, they are not addressing the fact that other people from outside of the state could be patients as well. And there is there is no reciprocity involved in this. That's the problem. Don't care. Not my problem. Mm. The, uh, what are you? Pennsylvania does not have reciprocity. No, my, my, into my, this. They don't have medical reciprocity for for medical patients from another state. You can't apply no. to get a state no. temporary state license. And no. are you sure? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay. I, I I'm gonna follow up on that. You 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 do. I that. think I think Jason, you might have a legal. Oklahoma has the reciprocity. Road. Yeah, I think. Well, I you think can you can do anything in Oklahoma. They don't I, seem to I, care. I, I think that I think <laughs> it's gonna be a challengeable part of this law in, in court. Okay. It's because, because they. Why are, don't you go there, break the law, and let's see what happens to you? All right. As soon as your mom invites me over for tea, I'm coming she, over. She is not inviting you over. <laughs> Move along from my mama. <laughs> We're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back today. <laughs> Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake. You need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah. Whatever you're doing, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that like button right there down below. And also, too, if you really want us to pay attention to your chats, make them a super chat because that is the easiest way for us to actually acknowledge your existence. Also, too, make sure you head over to our website, www.hiat9news.com. Make sure you check out our merchandise and sign up for the newsletter. And when you do sign up for the newsletter, you will get a confirmation email in your inbox or it may go to your spam or junk mail. So make sure you check for it there. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. 
She is the National Community Program Director for M4MM and Power 88 Las Vegas' friendly neighborhood encyclopedia. Here to hit us with a little purple plant magic. Y'all know who it is, Nicole Buffong. Thank you so much for that intro, Rico. Um, yeah, I know. Um, so today my story comes um, from MSNBC. I think it was on that uh, Yahoo Finance. Um, how Black farmers are making inroads into the cannabis industry. Um, black farmers are looking to the budding cannabis industry in the U.S. to spur generational wealth in the Black community. After decades of grappling with the hardships of being locked out of the agricultural industry and land ownership, while being on the receiving end of the detrimental effects of cannabis being classified as a drug. This is a plant that has been tied to the very fabric of not only the nation, but to Black America as a whole. Jason Brooks, who is co-owner of Green Toad Hemp Farm, Georgia's first Black-owned hemp farm, told Yahoo News, as a second-generation farmer, I'm so proud to be a part of growing this plant that so many of our people have been incarcerated behind. Now we get to do it in a legal way. Brooks' lineage in America, like many Black Americans in the U.S., dates back to the slavery era, during which people were brought from Africa to cultivate land for crops whose yield became the backbone of the U.S. economy. There was heavy discrimination against Black farmers, especially in the Bible Belt, where a lot of people that were sharecropping lost millions of hectares of land, Brooks said, whose grandfather was a sharecropper. They got deals that were predatory and a good portion of the family that I have has, that I have has lost all their farmland. In January 1865, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, Union General William Tamush Sherman signed Field Order 15, in which the U.S. agreed to provide 400,000 acres of southeastern U.S. land previously owned by members of the Confederacy to Black families. But after the land was returned to Confederate owners later that year, many Black farmers turned to sharecropping renting shares of land largely from white landowners and plantations, giving them a hefty portion of the crop yield. There was heavy discrimination against Black farmers, especially in the Bible Belt. Um, and they, that's where their deals were predatory and a good portion of that family have lost all. The population of Black farm owners in operation in the U.S. has dwindled dramatically from nearly a million farmers in 1920 to currently representing less than 50,000. Black farmers have been subjected to a long history of discriminatory policies by entities like the Department of Agriculture, these include being disproportionately rejected for federal farm assistance and lending, which caused many Black farmers to forego land ownership and farm foreclosure. To this day, very few, black, very few Black farmers get the resources and the knowledge that they need in order to go forward, Brooks explained. The U.S. has started to pay off loans for Black borrowers under the American Rescue Plan Act, answering to lawsuits that cite years of racial discrimination against Black farmers. Black farmers say cannabis legalization has created inroads for America to right the wrongs inflicted by the residual effect of slavery. Jim Crow era laws, the mass incarceration of black people from the Reagan era, war on drugs, and their, and their lockout in the agricultural industry. Marijuana is now legal in 22 states and Washington, D.C., and medical marijuana is legal in 38 states plus D.C., according to the Marijuana Business Factbook, by 2024, legal cannabis sales will increase 181% from 38 billion in 2019 to about 130 billion annually for the US economy. But the Marijuana Business Daily reported in 2021 that 81% of cannabis business owners and founders were white, while black people made up just 4.3%. <clears throat> many, um, many black families took advantage of this new opportunity to grow hemp as a legal crop. Brooks' father-in-law, Reginald Reese, founded the Green Toad Hemp Farm in Metter, Georgia in 2019. His venture began after trying to find opioid alternatives to deal with his chronic back pain. Unfortunately, Mr. Reese passed away last week and we send condolences to their family. Um, they are a part of the M4MM family. We've had them on and featured them on to talk about Green Road um, Hemp and, and we're sad to hear about his passing. The family now works about 30 acres of farmland to produce cannabis products. Brooks said that Green Toad Hemp Farm has also partnered with Georgia Southern University, which has a program for students to research the use of hemp for human use while keeping the production of it, of it eco-friendly. Brooks doesn't want consumers to fall in the pit of buying from Black-owned farms just because they are, are owned by Black farmers. The hope is that when people see the effort that we put into our products to make sure that they can see 
or even better than some of the products on the market today, will break down that wall where people will stop seeing us as just Black folks with farms and seeing us as Americans who have farms. And nothing breaks down a barrier quite like sharing a good blunt. Um, I like what he said. Um, thank you so much um, to to this article, for this article, and, and really shining a light on the plight of Black farmers in this country. I've heard many times that, um, you know, that Black farmers or Black people in this country can just lift them, pick themselves up by the bootstraps um, in order to get where they want. Uh, and they're, they're without considering all of the factors um, that white supremacy has um, affected Black families in this country for, for many of years. And, um, and that's what the 1619 Project does so well. Um, and it's a shame to see that something that is fact-based, like the 1619 Project, that has receipts that can show records of why she told that story in the way that she did, um, is being shunned and, and um, made a part of, um, of this woke culture that is seen as, as evil and, and degenerative for our country. Uh, so this is Nicole Buffon reporting for Hide 9 News. I'd love to hear what my correspondents think about this, this story. I think it's a fantastic story. Thank you for covering it um, uh, as you did, the way that you did before uh, Jason uh, jumps into the 1619. Stop debate. it. Stop it. I'm just saying, before Stop. he jumps into that, this is a great Stop. story. And, and thank you for coming the way that you did, uh, Nicole. 100%. And we need, to be, we need to be talking about the origins of hemp farming um, and cannabis farming in this nation and your favorite slave-owning president. Are we, are, we, are, are we really considering, seriously, are we really considering uh, hemp farming as cannabis farming when we talk about cannabis farming? Uh, say that one more time, Jason. Are we really considering hemp farming when we're talking about cannabis farming? Are we calling hemp farming cannabis farming? Are Is we cannabis, Jason? Are we okay, really? Wait, wait. So, so are you are you asking, Jason? Are we I'm asking, de I'm asking determining whether or not we're we're talking about cannabis versus hemp? Because this story was about hemp, but mm -hmm. like there are cannabis farmers, like in Florida, that were given medical licenses for cannabis um, versus hemp. And hemp, both. But we know that it's the same plan. We know I, that our governments don't look at it as the same plan. That, that, that's my point. My point is that the government doesn't look at it the same thing. So then, and and I understand it is the, and I say this all the time, it's the same definition on the Controlled Substances Act. It's all cannabis sativa L. So really, Marijuana Mitch really legalized cannabis when he just thinks he just legalized hemp. But I'm just wondering, from 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 our perspective, are we really considering hemp farmers, cannabis farmers. And yes. I, I pose this to all of you. Yes, because yeah. cannabis and hemp are the same thing. We have to educate our legislators, even though they might not look at it as the same thing. We know. Nicole, we lost your audio. Yeah, Nicole. As, as, there we as, go. I, I think that if we talk about um, cannabis and hemp in, as two different plants, um, then we're, we are missing an opportunity to educate our, our, our legislators Nicole. about what it really is. Nicole, so, so just call them farmers then. But, and but we'll say about, farmers, a farmer is a farmer. Well, they're cannabis farmers, but I guess, I guess what, I guess what, what we have to, what the reason that we have to make a difference, a distinction is because the law makes a distinction. Right. Mm hmm but if we're trying to combat the law, then we need to we need to well, actually and, incorporate all these under one umbrella and say agreed, Look. agreed. Yeah. But the law stipulates it as two different things. So when we are talking about cannabis farmers that that get awarded medical cannabis licenses to grow, then that is different that because it has to be in a state where that's allowed, and that's different than hemp farmers because there are more states that are allowing hemp farmers than cannabis farmers. Are you saying because because the hemp farmers had the first crack at the medical cannabis licenses or the adult use licenses in some of these states, such as like New York? I mean, is that a bad thing? I mean, here's here's the reality is like just perpetuating the the existence of and this and this bifurcation of cannabis versus hemp is the actual problem. We should be oh, actually hold on, fighting. Hold on. Hold on. This you, you're always going to have that problem because you're talking about two systemically different economies. One is under the Hemp Act and one's under the state run medical marijuana act. So they're two different just systemically economies and they're very different on how we license them. One's a very extreme limited licensing model, which I'm sorry, but social equity and the limited licensing models, an oxymoron. Hemp's very different. 
So, John, I agree with you, except for the fact that the hemp farmers are actually uh, they're they're growing the hemp, and then the guys doing the manufacturing are making Delta Nine products out of the well, hemp. Hold on, that's hold on, the problem. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Nine and Delta Eight are that's the issue. Are well, hold on, there, there, there's they're one other, there's one other issue. There's one other major it's, major issue is how you actually cultivate craft cannabis for a cannabis market as opposed to the mass production of hemp for whatever industrial purpose that you're choosing to use it for is two totally totally different types no that's incorrect there's there's guys doing hundreds of acres of cannabis production in places like oklahoma and they're and it's cannabis it's thc high varieties the point being though the whole the whole point yeah, i'm trying to make is there's there is this bifurcation of hemp versus cannabis but these hemp guys and the processors are making delta nine products which is making the cannabis processors life a lot harder because these guys don't have right. any of the barriers of entry to do the same work we're doing to make the same molecules we're making right so it's unfair to you as a cannabis license holder let's let's acknowledge that but but let me tell you what it is doing in places like texas i was smoking like a chimney up and down in san antonio and and, and places throughout texas because to them it's cbd delta nine they can't differentiate right so you've liberated the whole country and allowed cannabis use and made it a lot less dangerous for a lot of people. And so there is a positive societal effect that's happened from Delta 9 and Delta 8. And a lot of veterans I don't know about that. are buying it in, in, in places like Texas. They are. I didn't get arrested. I, I know. No, no, I know they are. But I would disagree that it's a safer, safer alternative. The safest alternative is actually growing cannabis and distilling the Delta 9 from the cannabis instead of converting it from right. CBD. Well, right. But couldn't that be seen as a very privileged viewpoint because you're a license holder? No, 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 not at all. No. And, 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 and I, I actually, actually, no. What I would say is that when you look at what the chemicals are using in those conversions, you would even not smoke it. Well, listen, Sean. I mean, the, the reality is you most see people what are relegated smokes. to. Yeah, you, most of these people are relegated to the illicit market, black market, whatever you want to call it to start with, right? So it's not sure. healthy. Let's be honest. Our, our cannabis laws aren't healthy for 80% of the, the users. Agreed. They're relegated to the illicit market. But, but, but back mean, to the topic. That's of, the problem. Back to the topic of of these of hemp farmers, whether we're distingu distinguishing them as hemp or cannabis farmers is based on what state they're living in, to, to be quite frank. And yeah. and then, of course, how what what they're using to grow when they grow the product that they're growing. Um, what are they creating from that product? Uh, but the, my point is, this article talks specifically about the the lack of land and the lack of resources that are awarded to black families that for the majority of their time in this country um, as slaves um, grew this crop, knew it intimately to the point where nobody else would be willing to do it. It, it was Nicole, at one point in this country, it was called the N-word crop. Nicole, that's, what that's would be your called. answer to this? What would you do? Say if it you, again? If you could write the rules, how would you fix that? If I could write the rules, um, then I would make sure that a certain amount of black land owners and farmers um, could apply and get a license that wouldn't have to pay for it. Um, I, I, I would make sure that they would automatically get a license um, and, and that would help them to be able to compete with these license owners that are paying two to four million dollars for license. Would, would, would there be any loans involved? Any grants? Anything no, like that? No, you do a tax credit. Land grants. Tax credit. Tax credit. I'm good with tax credits. Absolutely. Tax credit. Land grants. Oh, that's what that's what Amazon asked for. Tax credit. Yep. Ask for a tax credit. And then don't restrict the, the, the tax credit, you know, winner or, or endower. It's not winning. You you got it. Um from Wait. from you know how they use it. And that's the, the way to fix this. We got um we, we, we gotta go to a commercial. We're gonna be right. Okay. Thanks, Al. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, it's Mr. Saman Razani. He's the man that reminds women how to say hello again he's a plant formulation specialist oh yeah that's right it is saman Rizani. hello 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 oh so many good topics today to talk about um listen guys i'm, uh, I'm having a little bit of technical difficulties 
So I'm going to have to flip to, I'm on my cell phone, power's out in my neighborhood, you know, because uh, Southern California Edison can't get their stuff together. But uh, I'm going to attempt to do the um, the article. I'm sorry if there's a video cut out or whatever, but uh, my article today is coming out of uh, Marijuana Moment, and uh, it is a good article. Damn. That's what happens when you make fun of the power company. Yep. Mon <laughs> Mon just stuck to talking about his article instead of telling everything that was going on in his day today. <laughs> Can you see me? Yeah. Am, I, am I here? Yeah. Mon, we're going right. to, if you want to check out Saman, what's the title of your article? What's it, What's the headline? Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll make a summary. Connecticut passed some, some rule through the Congress um, or through their, their house. I'm sorry that, uh, that they're going to make new rules to, that they're going to promulgate to reduce, um, the the interaction with police and with the incarcerated peoples and they're going to start to um hopefully uh get some people out of jail or out of prison that have been there that are convicted of cannabis um you know cannabis felonies so that's the that's the gist of it connecticut's moving to to pass through the senate now um their bill I, i'm sorry i can't see the Not see true. the article and communicate but um it is it is a step in the right direction you know and it's a big deal. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that have, that have been convicted of crimes with cannabis that should have never been convicted in the first place. Obviously, you know, we, we, we are, um, you know, big proponents of getting people out of jail for that have been accused or convicted of uh, cannabis felonies or crimes. And, um, you know, recently we've had a chance to hang with one of, uh, the newly released, um, you know, folks from, from prison, Luke Scarmazzo, shout out, big shout out to Luke Scarmazzo. He's been out of jail now for like you know, 100 and, 107 days or something like that. I mean, you know, it's just terrible when you think about how many years people have been actually making money um, from medical cannabis and we still have these issues. Um, I've been in this industry from the beginning of medical in Colorado, 2008, 2009. And just seeing where we're at today and seeing that like, you know, places like Pennsylvania are still trying to put you in jail if you're, you know, impaired. I mean, it's just very draconian. We need to like, we need to switch it up. Everyone needs to get on the bandwagon. Everyone needs to like help out and, uh, and, and start to use their voices so that we can get these people out of prison. I apologize for not being able to, to read the article, but I know this is a near and dear to a lot of, a lot of our, uh, a lot of our hearts and a lot of our people that are following us in their hearts. So I just wanted to shed some light on the good things the state of Connecticut is doing. Big shout out to everyone in Connecticut on the East Coast that's that's fighting these battles. Just keep fighting because there's light at the end of the tunnel. This is Saman Razani reporting for High Nine. I have a question for you, uh, Saman, because I'm looking yes. at the art, the crimes that they are go willing to let people out of jail for, and it looks like basically simple possession. I mean, I mean, yeah, just simple... really making that much of a dent. Uh, is this not another Joe Biden pardon? This is another Joe Biden look, pardon. Look, I mean, I mean, I'm going to take I'm going to take every win. I'm going to take every win at this That's point right. that we can get. But at the same time, yeah, you're right, Gretchen. It's uh, these are Mickey Mouse kind of changes. And it's 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 but it's it's, it's, it's a start. You do go to jail on a state level, right? I mean, I mean. I mean, right. Connecticut has some pretty twisted rules. Um, it's just the way the way that yeah, I mean, the way this their society is kind of set up, it's I a lot of the and it is the most one of the most backward states because it's a bunch <laughs> of people in Greenwich and New Canaan and then it's yes, old union yes. labor and it's it's bizarre state. And I don't think so to your point, I don't think we're going to get everyone on board. I mean, being across this country a, a lot. You still go to places in, you know, the Alabama of the north, which is Pennsylvania, between, you know, Pittsburgh and Philly. And it, and it literally is Alabama. Uh, so I, I think it's uh, I think it's, it's like the Second Amendment. It's not the same everywhere. People are going to treat it differently. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, Connecticut is a bizarre place. No, you're Look, definitely any law right, that but, gets, but, gets folks out of jail is a good law, right? These are folks I, that I, are I, in jail. How many people are going to get out of jail from this? Nonsense. Rules are not getting anyone out of jail. Just like cannabis legalization well, is a cannabis for most people, we need to stop just supporting. We need to, we need to stop the the prison complex, the, the the system that basically is trying to put us in jail for anything. There's like a hundred private prisons in California. You know, they'll put you in jail for anything here. I so bet. just be you careful. Fill up the bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <fill> the bed. <laughs> but I'll take a win. I'll take a win well, for for right. the cannabis advocates around the world and around 100%. the United States. Little wins, little steps, small yeah, steps. We're running low on time. Let's keep it going here. Definitely agree with you 1 million percent on that one, Saman.
free all the prisoners. Yes. So um, up next. Freedom. Yes, indeed. <laughs> up next, this dope granddaddy's the golden-voiced co-founder of the Smuggleverse, president and founder of Digipath's La- Digipath Labs, and judging by his Tuesday attire, a firm believer that Jimmy Buckets and company going to close things out tonight. Up next, sure. it is Todd Denkin. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And, uh, Jason, you didn't talk about uh, it is Tuesday, May 23rd, the day that the Heat close out the mass holes up in Boston. Let's go heat and nuggies, baby. Let's do it. Hell yeah. (laughs) The Lakers. (laughs) (laughs) So my story is from MJ Biz Daily and uh, marijuana advertisers face hurdles with Twitter's new ad policies. Twitter might have further eased its rules for cannabis advertising, but the changes don't seem to have made it any easier for marijuana businesses to take advantage of the social media's platform's wide reach. Regulatory tape, Twitter's unfamiliarity with the cannabis industry, and cost are among the continued stumbling blocks. For example, Twitter requires advertisers to be a Twitter Blue or verified organization subscriber, which adds a blue checkmark to their accounts, but it costs $1,000 a month to get a blue checkmark, an expense many smaller uh, marijuana businesses can't afford particularly when companies are struggling financially because of low wholesale and retail price and fierce competition from the illicit market. Nikki Stanley, director of marketing for multi-state operator Battle Green, whose retail brands are in Massachusetts and Ohio, said, as a smaller company, we're very cognizant of our costs and the cannabis market isn't what it used to be. The privately held social media platform opened the door to U.S. marijuana advertising in February, But cannabis companies reported mixed results as they started experimenting with marketing on Twitter. Alexa Alanelio, can't really say her name that that well, Twitter's head of sales and partnerships wrote in an April blog post announcing the latest changes, said, We have gathered meaningful feedback from the cannabis industry, which we have taken into consideration to create even more opportunity. Under the newly revised rules, cannabis advertisers are allowed to promote branding and product specific content the ads can only feature products in their packaging and the ads cannot include pricing offer promotions or discounts or promote giveaways sweepstakes or contests in addition twitter is permitting ads in new marijuana markets although its publicly posted policy for advertising drugs doesn't spell out those medical and recreational markets twitter is permitting medical cannabis ads targeting users in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Rhode Island, South Dakota, and West Virginia. Adult-use marijuana ads are also permitted in Missouri's new adult-use market. At the same time, cannabis companies advertising on Twitter must sign an attestation form indicating they are licensed to do business in the state where the ads will appear. And they can only target customers 21 years of age and older in jurisdictions where they are licensed. The advantage of advertising on Twitter versus the ways cannabis company have uh, used to been able to reach their audience up until now is that they can talk about their specific products rather than educate consumers with broad brush strokes. You can create copy that resonates with the consumer and be very targeted with the message about what products go to market and what consumer profile. Hemp is still a stumbling block on Twitter, as CB Distillery, a Denver-based manufacturer of hemp-derived CBD, was the first CBD company to launch ads on Twitter. Company president and CEO Chase Terwillinger said, although the company sells its products in all 50 states, it succeeded in getting Twitter ads in only 20, even though hemp was legalized federally in the 2018 Farm Bill. Terwilliger said, the issue is that Twitter requires proof of licenses in each state a company wants to advertise in, but not all states, such as Oklahoma, require CBD companies to be licensed. Twitter is new to this, too. They're obviously going through a lot of changes, Terwilliger said. We have to walk them through the process. He suggests that companies want to try the platform, determine which states they want to start advertising in, ensure they have correct licenses and labels, and then contact Twitter. Although CB Distillery has yet to see a return on its investment, Terwilliger said the ads have led to sales. It's been more difficult for some other cannabis companies. 
Chicago-based Pharmacan, a multi-state operator that is one of the largest vertically integrated marijuana companies in the U.S., has been trying to advertise on Twitter for more than a month. The privately held company has just been adjusting to Twitter's regulations and restrictions by building new creative and defining new audiences in its network. Pharmacan couldn't use existing campaigns on Twitter, which delayed its launch on the platform. The company also had to figure out how to accurately track conversions. We wanted to be live for 420, said Brian Benavides, Pharmacan's director of digital marketing. We had to fill out forms and prove we had licenses in certain states and certain markets. But even for a large company such as Pharmacan, the $1,000 per month fee to get the blue check mark is off-putting. Benavides said, I haven't committed to that quite yet. I'm already spending lots of money. Why do I have to spend more just to get a blue check mark? He added. Before announcing it would allow marijuana ads on its platform, Twitter contacted Boulder, Colorado based edibles maker Wana Brands. After reviewing the rules, Wana Chief Marketing Officer Joe Hodis said he determined that the social media company didn't understand the cannabis industry and how the pieces fit together. Hodis and his team suggested ways to rewrite the rules to make them less onerous, but Twitter reviews refused to revise them. We are a cannabis company, so we have to sign all this additional stuff we're saying we are not responsible for anything, Hodis said. It's inconvenient, but it's not a deal killer. Hodis' first idea was to run specials on Wana products with specific dispensaries, but Twitter's rules prohibit it. He'd also like the ability to insert the company into conversations on the platform to start doing a dialogue with, with uh, potential customers about conditions its products can address. He said, Twitter offers us access to folks who are, aren't even thinking of cannabis as a solution. I like what Twitter can potentially do for us, but if we're not allowed to hyper-locally target, it probably doesn't hold as much value for me. Other social media platforms, including Facebook, are starting to consider allowing cannabis ads, but they may, too late, may be too late to the party if Twitter grabs a big portion of the market. What Hodis said was the advertising dollars will be spoken for by the time the other social networks get there. I'm Todd Dankin with High Night News, and although it's a step in the right direction, it still seems a little prohibitive. What do you guys think about Twitter's advertising rules? I think that it's hard to root for somebody like Elon Musk as much as I <laughs> respect his uh -oh, you know, here comes Jason freedom of free speech <laughs> and all of these things. It's like, it's the, it's uh, how far is too far and how much do you give people to where it's, it is still one person determining who has a blue check, who has, who has a right to be on the platform, who can say what, it's still one person making that decision. Yeah. When it comes to the cannabis decisions, there's two people at Twitter that make the decisions. Okay. No, my point is that Elon Musk is writing everybody's check, is signing everybody's check at the end of each month. One man making that decision. They have a new CEO now. That's well, one. but I mean, that, who's, that can who's be check he's also writing. But I mean, Nicole, yeah, but Nicole, that's everything. That's literally everything. Right. And so and, and so I'm I'm it's hard for me to say, okay, and get excited when he says, Oh, I'm gonna allow this to happen. Yeah. Um it's the still jaded. The blue check book. mark. No, the blue check mark is if you pay, you get the blue check mark. The moment you stop playing, the blue check mark goes away. I think it's a it's a very odd, like very simple concept. And the guy is just saying, Hey, if you really want this, pay for it. I mean, right. yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it is what it, it is, what it is like advertising in any regard is always pay to play. I'm it's really always who pays the most money, gets the better placements, you know, gets and all I the agree. Stuff. And, I, and I think but I because I don't think there should be any restrictions on advertising. Like, I, I mean, besides, you know, placating to kids like with tobacco oh, products. and, oh, products and what, what, what about? Over. Yeah. Yeah. What about the Google ads? What about the Google ads that started? Like, how are those doing? Did, 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 did your article talk about that, Todd, at all? Uh, the, the competitive. The no, I didn't talk about Google. It was uh, really only talking about the restrictions that uh, Twitter is placing on, uh, you know, advertisers didn't mention Google at all. But I think this say, is a good follow-up. We need to see what Google's doing because they're. Yeah, I did say Facebook is uh, looking to uh, uh, join the party and allow cannabis advertising as well, but they haven't figured out their rules quite yet.
Yeah, I mean, they better get their shit together on IG, I swear. They're just there. You know, you can't do anything anymore. If you I post, think, IG is never going to do anything. They can't even for moderate me. anything yeah. successfully. How can we have any hope this is actually going to work? <laughs> right. I mean, have you seen the moderation of these things? Social media platforms? Give me a break. <laughs> hey, Sean, why are you sitting in a hole? Looks like you're sitting in a hole. He said he was top at Mar-a-Lago. He's, getting He's getting ready to have a little bit. And we're going to turn up. Oh, man. What a great day. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Gretchen, you want to run this outro? And Bud Light sponsor. At Nine News. Stop it. Listen to me. I'm always right. Have a nice day. Uh, thank you all for joining us every Monday through Friday at High at Nine News at 9 a.m. Pacific and High Noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience sponsors for tuning in daily and listening to what is the ever-changing developing cannabis industry. Huge thank you to all of our sponsors. Uh, we already aired your commercial, so thank you all so much for all that you do. Thank you to our correspondents for being absolutely amazing. And thank you to Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, and The 91 Club. And oh yeah, Zaza Simone Brown holding us down in Clubhouse. And thank you all for tuning in and getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show. Go Heat! Yeah.